Mailbag part two. So many questions. I had to break it up into two episodes today. The Grant Williams sign and trade possibilities. Damian Lillard to Boston. We'll talk about Boston's reputation and my media starting five. It's all right now on the Locked On Celtics podcast. Be ever ready. Recognize the city of champs. Boston, baby, we do what you can't. Locked on number 18, Tatum and Brown, J team. Step back, we gon' wet that and slay teams. Of course, the Celtics, who else could it be? Screaming like KG with the Larry O.B. Corral is above average, assessing the team status. Best daily pod, no cap, salary matching. Clutch like Bird to DJ, keep John on replay. Primetime, dapping up the truth on the sideline. Raining Jays, how it started, raising banners, how we finished. Locked on Celtics pod, home of the winners. B. Welcome back to the Lockdown Celtics podcast right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it is your team every single day, Monday through Friday. And that's when I'm here for you with free, fresh podcasts dropped directly to your favorite podcasting app. So open that up, click subscribe, hop onto YouTube, do the same thing, ring the bell, get notified when I drop a new video, get into that comment section, leave a comment. Let me know what you think about the show, about the topics, about my answers, start a thread have that conversation. I'm John Corrales. I used to play once upon a time. Now I cover the Celtics for Boston Sports Journal. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel Sportsbook is the official sportsbook of Lockdown. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Lockdown today to get started. Today's show, as I point out here on my YouTube rundown, super ambitious mailbag. I've gotten so many questions I didn't just do one day mailbag. I moved it from Monday to Tuesday. Then I did Tuesday and Wednesday. So super ambi ambitious mailbags because I'm doing so many questions in here is no way I should actually get all of this done into one podcast, but I'm going to, because I think some of these answers are very, very quick. And I think, uh, yeah, let's just dive into that. So many answers. That I'm not even doing the lower third band. I cannot keep up with this level of questioning. All right, let's just dive into it. Ben says, with the John Collins trade exception, Atlanta can now fit signing trade options like Grant Williams without much of a problem. Uh, Grant for Sadiq Bay, does that make sense? Uh, I, I think if the Celtics, look, if the Celtics are trying to get something for Grant Williams and they can work out a deal, I still like Sadiq Bay. I think there is a world where in this Boston lineup, with his size, I think his, you know, like his toughness, his, his, you know, his ability to hit shots. I think there's a, a place for him in Boston. I would, I would gladly take him back. Uh, I, there are, there's a report out there on the athletic that the Celtics are looking for a first round pick. Uh, I don't, I don't know how that's going to go. I, I still feel like it, it, it might make more sense for Grant Williams to come back, but if the Celtics aren't able to work out a deal there, and they they want to go the sign and trade route. I, I'm I'm just kind of happy at that point in the sign and trade. You're just going to try to get back what you can. So if Sadiq Bay is part of the return from Atlanta, I'm fine with that. Like I said, I still like Sadiq Bay. So is that am I excited to give up Grant Williams to get Sadiq Bay? No, not necessarily. But in like I said, in a sign and trade situation where. I think Boston is just if they can't afford him, if they want to get a guy who makes less, if there's a way to make that work, then I'm I'm fine with that as the return. 
Matthew asks, who or what are you looking for most in summer league? I'm going to fold this into Joe's question who says, Hey John, what's the ceiling on a guy like Jordan Walsh? Now Jordan Walsh is who I'm looking for from a Boston perspective in summer league. Am I also looking to see what Victor women Yama looks like? Sure. Uh, am I intrigued by what Chet Holmgren, Holmgren looked like? Sure. I mean, from a league wide perspective, those are a couple of obvious names that I'd be looking at from a league wide thing. Uh, obviously more exciting than Jordan Walsh, but I'm looking at Jordan Walsh from a Celtics perspective and JD Davison as guys that I'm trying to figure out what they can do, right? What's the plan? What's the, the length of development? Davison has already been here for a year. What do they do with him? Do they put him on another two-way for this year? Does he get an end-of-bench thing? I don't think he gets an end-of-bench spot because he's going to summer league. They signed a guy like uh, Banton to, to kind of be that deep bench guy. If they felt like Davison could be that guy, they probably would have signed him already. So I'm guessing, just by the way the Celtics have maneuvered, that Davison is going to be back on another two-way. The Celtics now have three two-way deals that they can give out. Davison will probably be one. Um, maybe Jordan Walsh to start out will be on one. And then I don't know who else probably could be anybody uh, on that third one. So what's the ceiling for a guy like Walsh? I have no idea at this point, uh, What I'd be happy if he became a lockdown defender with a passable jump shot, right? Uh, if he, if he could average 10 points a game hitting two threes and getting to the line four times that that would be perfect for me. If he can defend at the level where I think he can defend at his absolute highest point, I think his ceiling defensively can be super special. He has the length. He has the lateral quickness. He has the instincts, the desire. Now he's just got to get stronger and be something on, on, uh, on offense. So I'm looking for him to show some of that. I'm looking for him to shoot a ton. Just keep shooting, shoot with confidence. I'm looking for Davison to be vocal running the team, and let's see how that goes from there. Whether the shots go in, whether the passes find their, their targets, I don't care about that as much. I want to see the instinct. If J.D. Davison whips a pass straight out of bounds, but a guy that will never sniff the Celtics roster was supposed to cut and he was expecting that guy to cut, then I'm fine with the pass going out of bounds. You, you feel me? That's something that you have to take into account. It's not about, ooh, he had a turnover there. If he's expecting somebody to do something and at that next level, he would have, that player would have, if it's Jalen Brown in that player's position rather than, you know, whoever the hell is on that summer league roster, then I'm fine with the pass. It doesn't matter the result. If the instinct, if the intent is there, that's the stuff I'm looking for. I don't care. A lot of times guys hit shots, guys score 30 in a summer league game, and it's meaningless. It's the most meaningless thing. It's about the instincts, doing the right thing, playing the right way. Manny says, do you think the Celtics will ever reunite with Isaiah Thomas, even if it's for like a Haslam situation? Nope. Got to get it out of your heads. Isaiah Thomas is gone. He's done. He may never play in the NBA again. I think his time, I don't think anybody is looking to sign him. Uh, that's that's that. 
And there was a, a question here about Brad Stevens from Farhad who said, I seem to remember Brad saying he doesn't like small guards. Can you confirm or deny that? Well, he loves Isaiah Thomas, but I think just generally speaking, small guards are, especially as you get older, that I don't think anybody really wants to get into that, that business. I don't think the Celtics are running a charity. I don't think they're going to sign Isaiah Thomas just to be there and say, Hey, now I'm part of the roster. I'm an end of bench guy. That doesn't make, that doesn't make any sense to me. I think Isaiah Thomas's time in the NBA is done. He should find a way to maybe get into the media. I think he'd be really great at that. I think he could make plenty of money doing that. That that's the next stage of Isaiah Thomas's career. I hate to say it. I love Isaiah Thomas. I don't want to, I don't want to say it like this, but psst, done. I'm sorry. We got to let it go. We've got to let it go. Speaking of small guards, we're going to talk about Damian Lillard next. First, today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's baseball season. So take your first swing at betting Major League Baseball on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. You just bet 20 bucks and you'll land 200 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. That's just $200 that you can spend betting on everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to get that first home run. It's all on an app that's super safe, super secure, super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on the MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So sign up today. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get a $200, up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel is the official partner of Major League Baseball. Just ask you if you're going to bet, please gamble responsibly. Thanks for making Locked On Celtics your first listen every day. Check out the Locked On NBA podcast, which I hosted on Wednesday today with Jake Madison. Uh, we talked about the Eastern Conference. We talked about Chet Holmgren. I just mentioned Chet Holmgren. Uh, and we talk about uh, – what else did we talk about? We talk about other free agency stuff um, in there. So check out the Locked On NBA podcast. I recorded that earlier today, much, much, much earlier today, as we both went off on our Independence Day journeys. So check out Locked On NBA. Now let's get back to – the Q and A. And like I said, it's Dame. Chuck asks, I'm going to be quick. How do we get Dame in Boston? I'll add in Aaron's question. If the Celtics acquire Dame, would they be able to keep all four of Tatum, Brown, Porzingis, and Lillard past next season? Well, it's going to be interesting if that's if they are able to get if they keep all those guys while acquiring Lillard, then I don't know. <laughs> that would be that would be amazing. Maybe you want to try to keep that together, but that would basically be impossible for the Celtics. It, it, okay, I shouldn't say impossible. Let's start with the beginning. Let's start with Aaron's uh, Chuck's question. How do you get Dame to Boston? I don't know if you do. If if you if if it's going to happen, it'll be part of a multi-team deal. It has to be part of a multi-team deal. Uh, I don't think the Celtics are just going to send out Brogdon and Derek White and Filler. I just don't think they have the type of players the return. They can get there money-wise. They can, but I don't know if they have the players. Uh, they have the picks, but the Celtics picks are not going to be worth a whole lot uh, if you get this group together because this group can win a championship 
win multiple championships if they decide to keep it together. But I, I like I said, I doubt highly, highly that the Celtics have the the capital to make this deal possible. On top of that, Damian Lillard very clearly only wants to play with Miami. If he goes anywhere else, I don't even want to know what will what, happen. I assume Dame will be professional, but it, it would be it would be ugly. Because my first question would be like, hey, you're in Boston now. You wanted to be in Miami. How are you feeling about this? And I don't know. I'll, I'll just leave it at that. I think Dame is probably not coming to Boston. If it is uh, going to happen, it'd have to be a, like a four or five team trade for everybody to kind of get what they want. And no, I don't think the Celtics would actually be able to keep Tatum, Brown, Porzingis, and Lillard next season with with Brown and Porzingis making I mean, at that point, they'd be making 70 million between the two of them, more than 70 million between the two of them. That it you'd be you'd be at the second apron with five guys on the team. It would just be an impossible ask. So if by some crazy way it happens, it would be for basically one season only. Chris says, I keep hearing the new CBA will crush the NBA middle-class players. I keep hearing GMs talk about restrictions. Do you see the potential for a strike or lockout in a year or two? No, I don't. Strikes or lockouts happen at the end of deal, at the end of a deal. So there's the, the players and the owners have agreed to this deal. They signed this deal. It would be incredibly unprofessional. And I don't know about the legality of just saying, you know what? We're no longer honoring the collective bargaining agreement that we signed. They are under contract. This is not their ability to request a trade two years into a five-year deal. They can't do it. They can't just stop showing up and say, you know what? This sucks. They, they agreed to it. They signed this deal. A strike is when the players decide that they're not going to play. A lockout is when the owners decide the, that they're not going to play, just so you have the actual terminology down. Strike is when the players say, we're done. We're on strike. And the owners lock out. the They lock the doors and say, you can't come in. That's how you should think of it. At the end of the deal, I do think there is the potential for some sort of labor unrest at the end of this deal. If this goes the way I think it can, uh, I don't like the deal. I don't think the restrictions are going to be great, as great as some of the players think. But we'll find out three years into this, four years into it, we'll, we'll have a real good sense of if the players like it or not. And if the owners say, no, we love this new deal, we're sticking to it. And if the players say, nope, we miscalculated, this deal sucks, we might see some sort of movement there. And at that point, it might be a strike. But there's so much money involved. Uh, I don't know if that if either side's going to have the balls to go out and, and make a, 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 a some kind of work-stopping move. But it's definitely not going to happen in the middle of a contract. Brian asks, will Luke Cornett teach Porzingis the Cornett contest? God, I hope not. I hate that thing. I can say it now that the season's over. A full throw as loud as possible. I hate it. It's stupid. It didn't work. It. I, I hate it. 
I'm not trying to not have fun here. I love fun. I love fun. Basketball's fun. The Cornette contest was the most pointless thing I've ever seen. I don't think it worked. So it should go away. It should absolutely die. No one should ever do it. There's a reason no one did it before. There's a reason no one in the NBA besides Luke Cornette did it this season. And there's a reason why no one's going to do it moving forward unless Luke Cornette is is still on a team somewhere and he'll do it. But it's not – I don't think he's going to be ahead of his time. I don't think I'm going to be sitting here at 75 going, I was dead wrong about this Cornette contest. Everybody's doing it now. No, it's dumb. Bye. Okay, next. Uh, Bill says, are Yamadar and Yuhan Begaron ready to legitimately compete for roster spots? Uh, I'm going to say the answer is no because they are not here. They are not participating in Summer League, that's for sure. Uh, now, I know Yamadar just won an award, best young player in EuroLeague. Uh, Begaron is, is – he looks the part, and he's having some, some success uh, in his professional league. I don't think that they're ready to make a contribution yet. I think, if anything – I, I remain of the belief that both of these guys are more likely to be traded as part of a deal uh, so, when you need to trade something, the rights to somebody to facilitate some sort of deal. That's where these guys are going to come in. I just don't think that they're ready. Um, if they were ready, I think those guys, we would have heard more about them coming over. They're not coming over. Uh, so we'll see. I could be wrong, but uh, I think. I think those guys put them in your in in your rear view. Bruce, my question is about positionless basketball and how the standard one through five no matter no longer applies. How well does the current Celtics roster live into this concept where the stars like Porzingis, Tatum, and Brown are tweeners in the very best way? So positionless basketball, I think there's I think one thing we've learned about positionless basketball is that what in reality it is, is there no, there's no more distinction between shooting guard, small forward, power forward. There's, and Brad Stevens breaks it down like this too. There's ball handlers, there's wings, and there are bigs. So those are positions. So to say that th this is absolutely positionless basketball, I think you look at the Toronto Raptors and say they showed you that it can't be totally positionless. It's just not possible to have a bunch of six, seven to six, nine guys say one's going to be your point guard, one's going to be your big, and it's just it's not it, it, unless you're cloning a bunch of guys and you can. Uh, turn off the restrictions on 2K and raise their levels however you want to do it, you need a ball handler. You do need a bunch of wings that can switch and do all that, and then you need bigs. And so those positions are where the Celtics are trying to, to fit into. That's what Brad Stevens is trying to do. He's got ball handlers that – now, Derek White can be a wing – but he's your ball handler. Malcolm Brogdon's your ball handler. Peyton Pritchard is a ball handler. Your wings are obvious, right? Tatum Brown, uh, O'Shea Brissett is going to have a chance to come in and and be a, a, a wing who contributes. And then you have got your bigs, Porzingis, Rob, Al. That's how you build a team in the modern NBA. And I think the Celtics are really kind of doing a decent job here of 
fitting into these groups. Now, if you can have a guy that goes from, hey, he's a ball handler, but he's big, and so he can slot into a wing if you need him to, that's that's great. Uh, if you've got a big that can play on the wing, that's great. And that's one of the things that Porzingis sort of brings. But the, the misnomer that the NBA is completely positionless uh, that that's wrong. And so, uh, I, I think that's how we should approach everything. We'll come back. We'll talk about Boston's reputation, a disappointing year. Uh, and my media five man roster. All right, let's do that. First. I want to thank you for making lockdown Celtics your first listen every day. Stick around. I'm still five days a week. For the rest of this month, five days a week, Monday through Friday, free, fresh podcasts about the Boston Celtics, about the NBA. I can fold in some more NBA stuff in some of the conversation as it relates to the Celtics. So you want Celtics content on a daily basis. This is the place. If you're new, subscribe, open up your favorite podcasting app. Uh, You've got it open right now. Just click subscribe. Uh, And you everydayers, I love that you're an everydayer. You're Monday through Friday person. Thank you so, so much. Let's wrap up this mailbag. I feel like I'm cruising. I'm on a good pace. I'm playing at a very high pace. I feel like this is a this was a game I'd be getting 100 field goal attempts up. Uh, Patrick, Boston does Boston have that bad of a reputation? It seems like every time a star is looking to move, Boston is like a worst-case scenario, especially, especially with how much opportunity there is at the moment. So... Boston has an interesting, I think, standing. Now, I'm not in the ears of every player. Uh, I do think that there are some some players who definitely don't want to come to Boston. I think they don't like either the weather or there is look. Can't deny it. Whether you know you want to, whether you like it or not, Boston, the city, has a reputation. Right? It does not have a great reputation. It has not earned a great reputation. And that's part of something that Boston has to deal with and come to grips with. It's not, you know, we can scream here about, hey, it's 2023 and, you know, Boston's the best it's ever been. And that may be true, but that, first of all, doesn't mean that it's perfect. Uh, Second of all, doesn't mean that its history isn't something that that is discussed in terms of racism and all that stuff. That's just a fact of the matter, right? And, And for some players, they're just, they just don't want to deal with it. And that's that's their choice, right? Um, I think players tend to be more immune to that kind of stuff uh, because they're beloved as heroes. But that doesn't mean they're 100% immune. And it uh, doesn't mean that they don't hear stuff. They hear plenty, right? Um, and unfortunately, people do use very <sighs> unsavory language, uh, racist language, uh, towards opponents. And that's something that needs to be rooted out. And I would say, if you're a Celtics fan, you're at a game, you hear that, have no shame, no fear of pointing to that person and saying, that person just used this language, get him or her out of here. Everyone, everyone will support you. I will support you if I see it. So, uh, but so does Boston have a reputation? Sure, some of it, some in some in the minds of some players, it does. However, this is a business, and players go where the money is, and especially with this collective bargaining agreement. 
They want money. They want opportunity. They want the opportunity to make more money. They want to play. And, you know, you're an NBA player. You want to play basketball. Peyton Pritchard loves the city and says, I want to play basketball. So trade me like he, so, so players want to play. If there's money and opportunity in Boston, players will come to Boston. And as far as the front office, I see, I, I tweeted out the Marcus smart quote and you know, the one that said that he was told a week before uh, a week ago that the a week before the trade, he was told that he's good, that he wasn't going to be traded. And it turned around and he did get traded. And he that he was blindsided by that. And the Celtics front office rightfully got, you know, some criticism for it because, you know, that's kind of kind of crappy to hear about the front office. At the same time, business is business, and that probably happens more often than you think. So the Celtics front office has a reputation. They traded Isaiah Thomas away. Um, and that, that was, that was Danny Ainge, but the, the, the stigma sticks. So where, where is Boston's reputation? Hard to say. Some players will love to come to Boston and they will have a great opportunity, great life in Boston. Kevin Garnett loves Boston. Paul Pierce loves Boston. Lots of, lots of players come through and they weren't sure. And they come through and they're like, this is the best. We love it. We love it here. Marcus Smart loves it in Boston, right? And think about all of the stuff that he said. And in his rookie year, I believe, or second year, he tells a story about pulling out and saying something to a fan that was walking away. And he was called the N-word. And he still loves Boston. So there's varying degrees of experience through these players. But what you feel overwhelmingly it's an individual thing. So does this, does this hurt Boston's chances at some free agents? Maybe, but I think if business is business and guys want to come and play for a championship and the money is there and the opportunity is right, they will come and that'll be it. Next question, Philip, how does the trade leaking game work? And has everyone, anyone ever asked you to leak news? Specifically, I would imagine Brad and other executives know who the leakers are, but why would they allow the leaks to continue? So, no, I've never been asked to leak any news. I'm not, I'm not a newsbreaker type of guy. Um, I do break minor things here or there, but nothing. I'm not, and I've not worked for the type of outlets where that type of thing would gain the traction that they want. Like I love where I work. I love my job, but frankly, um, I don't think people see Boston sports journal as, Oh my God, if it's on Boston sports journal, I get the major impact of this happening. Uh, it ha would have to happen through my social media following and it's, they'd rather just give it to like the globe, you know, or the New York times or one of the major newsbreakers. So trade leaking game works as all the major newsbreakers. The, the front office has their numbers. Agents have their numbers. When something gets out there and a, a, a particular report, a particular leak would benefit one person's situation, then guess what? Sources say blah, blah, blah. If Jalen Brown wants the full max, this is just an example. 
hypothetical, if he wants the full max and the Celtics aren't giving to him and he's pissed, then his agent through some channels would probably put out the situation, put it out there that Jalen Brown is offended by the Celtics offer. Um, or the Celtics would counter by saying, uh, talks have been productive. They have multiple offers on the table. Uh, some, you know, so that's how it goes. It's a negotiation. Uh, it's whenever you hear a leak and you're like, Oh my God, what? Think about who it would benefit. Who does that information getting out benefit? And then you'll find out, Oh, that's a, that's an agent or that's a front office person because it benefits them for this story to get out there. That's how the leak game happens. Owen asks, what would be considered a disappointing season for the Celtics next year? I think anything, I would say another failure in the playoffs. It's hard to say what would be considered disappointing because I personally like to let the season kind of progress before I figure out what kind of team this is. Obviously, I expect them to be in the mix for a championship. So it would be disappointing if they didn't win a championship. It would be disappointing if they lost in the conference finals in disappoint like in that similar fashion as this past season. Um, it would be very disappointing if they didn't make it past the first or second round. But also the circumstances. It, we could say that and believe that, but then if Tatum gets hurt and Jalen gets hurt, then we say, well, it's not disappointing for them to not get out of the first round or second round. Right. So it depends on the circumstances. So all things being equal, if they're healthy, I would say they should be in the mix for a deep playoff run conference finals, NBA finals. I'd like to see them win a championship. This is probably their best opportunity. So anything short of that would be considered disappointing and we'll see how the circumstances go. Austin says, why don't members of the Celtics train with each other? during the offseason instead of players from other teams. Example, Tatum working out with Bam out of bio. If the Jays desire to win a championship, wouldn't they be better off working out together to develop special chemistry? Um, okay, I see what your point is. And they work out together every day of the season. That's special chemistry. If they're together from September to June, that's their that's their chemistry time. I'm okay with them working out with other players. First of all, agents are at play here. If you've got the same agent as somebody else, then you might work with that player. Personal coaches. If I am an NBA-level personal coach, personal trainer, I could have... I don't know, 10 guys hire me, five guys hire me, whatever the number is. Well, if I am hired by Jalen Brown and if I'm hired by Donovan Mitchell and if I'm hired by Joel Embiid and I'm saying, hey, I'm holding a workout. You guys want to get in on it together? Boom. Yeah, sure. Let's all work out together. I think you want them working out with these other players because you start learning the tricks. You start learning, other. you know, you start figuring things out. It's an opportunity to talk to a player. Hey, Donovan, man, your contract's up in a couple years, right? Hey, Joel, what's going on over there? What's, what's, what is Harden gone? Like, you don't want that anymore, do you? Come to Boston. Like, you have opportunities to do that stuff. So, I think Celtics training with other 
players in 2023, especially between brands and agents and personal coaches and all of that stuff. It's impossible to say two teammates should be working out together all the time. Frankly, some time apart's not a bad thing either. Getting teammates some some personal space so they can come back fresh to start the next season, not the worst thing in the world. So I'm completely good with Celtics not working out with one another. Uh, if you can't form special chemistry during the course of the season and training camp and all of that, then you're not going to do it in July and August either. So final question, not bad. 33 minute mark. All right. Tom says, if you had to make a five person lineup of Celtics media personalities for a pickup game, who would you pick? Is this Tom? No, it's this Tom M, but that could just be a Tom W an M is just an, a W turned upside down. You think you're fooling me, Tom Westerholm? You think you just want me to pick you for my team? Well, first of all, Scal and Eddie House are media personalities, right? So they count. So I'm picking the two NBA guys, Scal and Eddie House. It's me, obviously, Scal and Eddie House. And then I want some shooting. Tom Westerholm, yeah, you make my team. Tom's a really good shooter. I'm taking Tom. I'm taking Jay King. Jay King's a good shooter too. Um, I just won't be handling him. I won't be ha handing him the ball over the last five seconds of a game. You're not taking the last shot. So, um, and then I'm going to bring, uh, I think Adam Himmelsbach. He's a good shooter too. I'm going to bring him off the bench. Uh, here's the thing about that team. I am washed. I am completely and utterly washed. I am nowhere near anywhere as good as I used to be like not even a shred. If what I used to be is a hundred percent, I don't even know if I'm 5% of what I used to be. You know, when you go to a car wash and you got that five different levels of car washes, like the basic, the ultra, the, I am the fifth level, most expensive, most intricate kind of washed. I am so washed. It's not even, I'm, I turned 50 this month. Okay. Once you're 50, your competitive playing days are over. The only time I'm going to go play basketball is with other 50-year-olds. If I can find an over 50 league, maybe I'll play that. Because we all know we're not, we're all super washed, mega washed, ultra, ultra, super mega washed. So that's why I need Scal and Eddie House. I will set picks and pass you the ball. I can do that. Um, I can hit a jumper or two, but that's about it. <laughs> uh, man, I do miss my playing days though. I do miss that. Um, oh, well, that's how it goes. Thanks everybody for the questions. I got them all in in 35 minutes that, Hey, this is a super ambitious mailbag. I get to give myself credit get all those questions in, in 35 minutes. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Hope you enjoyed the answers. Uh, I'll be back tomorrow with, uh, Something to talk about with the Celtics. I'm going to find it out tomorrow. Uh, it's been quiet. We'll talk more about Grant for sure. We'll talk about, I'm sure, Jalen Brown stuff is going to come up. So I'm definitely keeping my eyes out for that stuff. I've been having conversations with people. We'll definitely have more conversations about Grant, the sign and trade possibilities and all of that. That's tomorrow, Friday, uh, Monday through Friday podcast. So subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, and you everydayers. I would love it if you shared the podcast, tell your friends, tell everybody, 
that they should be listening to and watching the Lockdown Celtics podcast right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.